0: It's an honor to welcome Alex Henry Foster to The Antidote. Alex, this is really great to have you here.
1: I'm very, very happy, uh, Dave, just to, to be able to share with you and to commune like that. It's always a wonderful opportunity for me whenever I have a little time like this, you know, a little bit of an intimate moment. So thank you so much for having me on the show.
0: Well, everybody on the planet must know that you've had a lot of success in the music scene. I mean, you've topped both the Billboard and iTunes charts. And the crazy part is even the critics love what you've done.
1: <laughs> yeah, isn't that crazy?
0: <laughs> but is that important to you?
1: Not really. To put that in perspective and to be quite honest, I'm very humble about that and I'm very grateful for like people really embracing the music and the songs and and for people also to be eager to not only to, to discover that kind of music but also to to share with their um either who's going to read their papers or listen to the radio shows. So I'm very, I'm very grateful. I'm very humble because for me, I'm not really in the, in the numbers game. You know, I've been, I've been there for a good amount of years now with fronting your favorite enemies before, and we all went through the same kind of pattern. So I think now it puts everything in perspective because for me, what really matters is the connection that I have with people. That's really what uh, holds everything together. The rest of it, is, I'm very grateful and very thankful, but, you know, this is not what I'm looking for. It's there, it's cool. You know, if it was something else, then it's the rest. You know what I mean? hmm
0: You already mentioned about fronting your favorite enemies, and then you took on the solo project. Obviously, that made for an artistic change. I mean, it really is a whole different sound. I guess the question is, has that actually changed you then as a person?
1: To, to fully understand the reason why I kind of I moved on in such a way, it's really because I was not a personal motion of changes. I was like going through a very intense depression and I needed to find myself back. And I think that going back to music was some sort of an accident because it was one way that I had to express myself and I wasn't really thinking much, you know, about what kind of format was it, what kind of style of music, the general, whatever. For me, it was really an outlet to express what I was hardly understanding. And from that point on, I just keep on going and trusting my instincts rather than going back, okay, well, you know, is it the proper format? You know, which of those 20-minute songs would be the the single, the radio single? You know, <laughs> it's not really something. <laughs> it wasn't commercial at all, so it was really out of it. Like a real personal motion that I ended up doing that. That's why, for me, I'm still learning to let go because when I'm trying to understand or to, to try to comprehend that whole thing, everything goes bad because then you're trying to put ambition in all the songs and you're trying to, you know, to reform and reshape. So that was a lot of what Your Favorite Enemies was about at the end even though the songs were amazing and I really liked it, it it doesn't have anything to do with it. But I had that consciousness of what it meant to be in the music business Mm -hmm. rather than this project is something so personal, so intimate that I don't, I don't have to really think about it or it's not a concern anymore. It's really the pure let go and the total freedom that I, that I decided to embrace at that point in my life that make all the difference in the world, you know?
0: Do you think that's due to the length of time that you've been in the music scene? Because I've talked to other artists, and of course, they've always expressed that their songs reveal how they feel emotionally at that moment. Mm -hmm. But they also get into the point that they really get less and less concerned with what the public or the critics are thinking about it, and just wanting to do it more for themselves, and hopefully people will follow along with them.
1: That's a good question. I don't know. I think where I was, you know, I was very um, troubled inside and it was very difficult for me to keep on going because there's so much you can deny and hide as you go. And I think I was to keep going on like I was. I think it was very unhealthy and I wasn't able to to approach that in a more uh, sensitive or in a more logical way rather than just burning to the end, you know, just for, for the sake of, ah, oh, I need to be there for my friends and I need to, you know, I've got a responsibility or whatever. I think that now when, when I decided just to look into those emotions and to take the time to really confront what I was going through, I think that it all naturally led back to what I'm doing now. So that's why for me, it's not necessarily like something that it's artistic, but it's more something that it's more emotional, more personal. And it's something that I'm still discovering. It's something that I'm still uh, allowing myself to dwell into rather than trying to control. For me, to be quite honest, it doesn't have anything to do with the music business. It doesn't have anything to do with my former band, my friend. It's really something that came naturally. And all the expressions of those emotions were taking place in a very instinctive way that I wasn't able to to take either credits for or that didn't matter if I was understanding everything that was going on at that point. And that I think that's the most beautiful thing because I wasn't allowing myself to play with it. It was so pure that I wanted to keep it that way. But at the same time I was allowing myself to keep on evolving through all those emotions that I was still going. It was so vivid for me. Still is. I'm still trying to, to let go as much as possible. So that's why it's very difficult for me because it's such a different vibe. It took me two years. I went to (laughs) Tangier. My initial plan was to go there to kind of lose myself for a bit and to look into all those emotions following my father's passing and everything. And I'm going to be away for two months, guys. And then it turned into like two years because I had so much baggage that I needed to, to look into. I needed time to heal and I'm still in that healing process. So that's why it's a bit different. I don't know for the others but that's my personal experience so far
0: well you know it makes me curious as to why you would choose tangier like why travel all the way to morocco
1: (laughs) yeah good question i was actually my initial plan was to go to barcelona which is way more uh, sexy i would say and cool than tangier because the fact is i've been able to travel almost all over the world so far because of music and I'm, I'm i'm one of the you know the very uh, luckiest few but i didn't know anybody in danger i didn't know the culture much the only thing that i knew was the writers the painters and and the, the art artistic story history mm-hmm. so i just went there because i thought well if i'm going to a place where i have so many friends knowing me i would jump right back into like actions rather than taking time to really look and reflect about what I was going through. It's, it's funny how it goes sometimes, you know, sometimes the places will choose you in a way and, and, and you will drift to a place and suddenly the environment where you, you're standing will have a great impact on you. That's, that was exactly the process that I went through because it was very distressing at first because I didn't know anybody. <laughs> it was a complete different world. But at the same time, I was able to, to explore, to look around and to kind of get back to the foundation of what it is to be human in a way and to have like different interactions with people, with time and what really matters. So I don't think I would have been able to go that well, I would say deep, but I don't know if I went that deep, but at least I don't think I would have been able to go through what I've been through if it wasn't for the fact that I was actually in Tangier. I would have found so many other things to do, you know, just to to pretend that I was in motion because I was, I would have done so many other things. But then when you're stopped, you realize that you can, you can move a lot without doing anything. So I was really in a position where I had the blessing just to, to reflect on everything and just, okay, well to decide, do I still want to keep on going on and denying all those emotions or am I really looking into them? Not knowing how long it would take, what type of person I would re-emerge as, and all those things. So that was very um, fundamental for me. And that's the, and that, and that's the short answer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you just mentioned that Tangier made a big impact on you. Yeah. What kind of an impact have you had on you now? Here you are, you've moved from Montreal to Virginia. Hmm. That's got to be an entirely different kind of dynamic for you.
1: Yeah, because before I left for... I was living in a community and all friends, people that are sharing life together, very um, active, rich in all sorts of emotions and projects. And, and it was the first time for me in Tanger to be alone by myself and to be in a position where I needed to take a break. But when, I, when, I, when I came back after, I realized that I was so different than when I left that I wasn't able to, to see myself going back to that same place. It doesn't have anything to do with the other place in Montreal, but I was in a different place in my life, and I needed to keep reflecting on all those emotions and to have that time, that space to, um, to muse about it all and to keep on defining all those thoughts, all those affective sensations. So And then I, I found this house in Virginia. It's a... I'm in the, the highlands. It's, it's wonderful, I'm in nature, so it's completely different from Tanger. Tanger, it's all about, life is outside, it's on the rooftops, it's very active, very loud, you're in the noise all the time, and there's, there's comfort in that kind of environment as well, especially for a person mm-hmm. like me. But being here, it's a different, different vibe, it's very peaceful. I'm on mountains, surrounded by forest and woods. it's just phenomenal how oh, I'm able to discover another perspective about life by being here about art in a way. So that's, that's a complete different vibe and I'm very happy that I just like followed what I knew was that new path for me ahead because otherwise I would have felt like um, maybe insecure or I wouldn't be able to say no, you know, because I had to well to tell my friends, well, you know what guys, I'm not coming back. And I was the one who founded that community, and mm-hmm. it was very difficult, but at the same time, I think that comes a time in your life that you need to be honest, and that that's where I was, and I needed to take that step back or that step forward, depending on who's looking <laughs> at my step, but that was really how I felt.
0: And now you're enjoying being a hermit in the mountains of Virginia.
1: It's true. With my two dogs, it's <laughs> a different vibe completely, yeah, so... It's funny because a lot of my friends are talking about being like in isolation and everything. And, and within the large community and people I'm talking with, there's a lot of interactions and a lot of people are laughing. You're just like, well, we're, we feel it's so difficult to be isolated right now. And, and there you are living alone with your dogs and just like living the dream. You know, there's, you've got, you've got issues. Maybe you should go back to danger somehow, <laughs> So it's very very funny, but it opens so many opportunities to talk and share because that's really happening, what's going on right now. And I think that when you're in a position where you can share openly about what you're going through, what you've been through, and what you're still processing in a way, so then it's good because you can bridge to other people without having like all sorts of walls or pretension. You're just like, well, look, I'm welcoming you, whatever you are and that's that's very positive that's what i'm taking from that crazy time for me it's been all about the people and and, and sharing and communing and that that's really what's the essence of that COVID thing has been for me
0: well maybe you can share about something else because we're here to talk about standing under bright lights <laughs> the true. live recording of your show at the festival international of the jazz de montreal how did that show come about
1: I'm not very good at doing promotion, right? <laughs> 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 yeah. We were talking about numbers at the beginning of the interview. Now you understand that I <laughs> was right. You know, I was honest. <laughs> oh, that show that's, oh, Dave, that I think that when, when I came back from Tangier and I released windows in the sky and I was still very vulnerable about all those emotions and I was still very, um, fragile about it all because it was about my father all those emotions that were very very personal because i'm someone who used to naturally keep everything hidden you know just as a way to protect myself or as a cop-out not to to dress some things but i was there and i felt like i was sharing too much i was still very very confused about it so when i when i've been invited to do that concert for me I wasn't really looking into going back on the road. And yeah, I felt very good where I was. I was writing music for films. And so it was very kind of quiet. I didn't want to go back to that kind of crazy world. But then I realized that it was part of that process. And my fear was that I would lose the essence of those songs by doing like repetition and rehearsals. And then you kind of lose what those songs are really about. And since it was about the little things that I kept for me about my dad and things that were very, very, uh, intimate. So I didn't know. I was very, very confused about it all, but I kept on pressing the issue. And when I decided to, to do it, my perception was, we're going to do something completely different that I used to do. And, and I was adding the element of improvisation and to be very sensitive to emotions that were floating around whenever I was like playing those songs. So those songs never had the same format, even though we were like rehearsing, we had like different turns. And I was also kind of the maestro calling the shots. So that was another thing that I needed to be really into the moment and the musicians needed to be in the moment as well, because if, if you're becoming too ambitious and then it turns out to be uh, something that it's not, then it's going to be a complete disaster. That, for me, was very um, liberating to go that way. And that's why that concert is so unique. It was supposed to be a one-off night. I wasn't supposed to do another show. So I didn't have the pressure to impress. I didn't have the feeling, oh, I don't want to fail anybody. It wasn't part of the sensations that I was dealing with. Because in the past, it was always that same for me, the insecurity, oh, I really want the people to get what I'm doing. I realized I was very, very insecure, and my fear of rejection was taking a lot of place in my life. But for that moment, I was somewhere else, and it was really about living a moment and sharing with the people and to be completely in a pure moment of abandonment to the emotions that were taking place, whatever they would be at that very moment. So that's why it's a very special project. I think that, that's the purest form it would have because they were leading the show and I was only within the moment. The spirit was like leading the whole thing. So that's why it's very different than whatever I did before and what I'm now doing when I'm on tour and because I kept on going after that moment.
0: I can't imagine when you said you would have a lack of pressure by performing this way. That's wild, because here you are, you're doing a live recording of the show, and you only have one chance to make it sound right. That would have been the ultimate for pressure for me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm (laughs) glad we haven't spoke before the show then. (laughs) (laughs) The truth is, if I'm very honest, I didn't know the concert would be recorded that way. I I wasn't looking to release a live album after, because for me, that was it. That was, the circle was complete in a way. So that's, that's why I guess I wasn't feeling any, any form of pressure. If someone would have told me, well, we're going to do this and you're going to be recorded and everything. I think I would have been too self-conscious to actually let go. Like I did. And I think that's the real blessing of having those tapes, those files now, I should say, <laughs> Yes, because I, I wasn't thinking about it because for me, that was it. And there's a real freedom in being at peace with a conclusion in a way. But I I didn't realize that that moment would be the beginning of something else. But for me, that's why I was free. That's why I I didn't feel any kind of pressure. The only thing I wanted was to honor my father's passing in front of family and friends and, and to be as honest as I could possibly be. At that very moment in my life, that was the only thing that mattered. So, so that's, that's why I, I didn't feel any pressure. But haven't you told me that, oh, yeah, you go, we're going to do this and this, it would have been a real tragedy. I would have collapsed. I would have <laughs> collapsed. I'm, just, I'm, I'm so thankful nobody, nobody told me. <laughs> they had plans.
0: <laughs> we should bring people up to date on what we're talking about. Windows in the Sky, and of course the live version, Standing Under Bright Lights, was dealing with your father's death. Mm -hmm. I know that people deal with grief differently. You know, some people withdraw, some go into denial, and others may drown themselves in work, but it seems like you've handled your father's passing by wanting to immortalize him in your music.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a part of that that it's true, because the reality was I was so much into my things at the time that it took me some time to really face those emotions until I went to Tanger, which is like maybe a two year span between the two is passing and then me having, okay, now I need to look into it because it was a very conflictual relationship. I had a lot of admiration for him. I think that was the same thing for, for him towards me, but it was very difficult and difficult I never understood why, and it's taking some time apart that I realized that at some point in our lives, we face the same issues, depression, things like that. My dad, for a long time before he discovered Christ, he was like completely lost. So it was difficult for me to, to understand because we never had that talk that I was like craving to have with him, and even to his deathbed. I was like trying to understand. And and the only thing that he kept telling me was like, you need to leave the past behind. There's no answers I'll give you that will satisfy, you know, what you're looking for. You need to embrace life. And that was very frustrating at the time because I was like, you should have left something for me to grasp on and to understand and to know why there was so many blanks. And, and that was very powerful at one point. He told me, he said, you know, Alex, I'm very sad because you, you don't, you're not afraid to die, but you're frightened to live. You mm. need to live. Leave the past behind. You need to live. And as much as he broke my heart at that very moment because I was looking for something else, but the answer was right in front of me. And what he was telling me was exactly what I needed to hear because that, that's really what it was. But it took me some time to figure things out. And to be honest with myself, because the, the, the first, the beginning of that process in Tanger was I was like filled with frustrations and anger and violence, but it was something that I wasn't able to comprehend because I was suddenly letting everything out at the same time. All the things that I, that I kept on hiding, all the things that I could, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to look into it later. But then suddenly everything went out. At the same time, and that was very, very confusing for me, but as I kept on going, then I was able to, okay, well, this is this, and, and I had to let go of many things that I would never, I, I'll never be able to understand, things that I, I'll never be able to, to comprehend, but what really mattered was those little elements of relationship that I had with him that made me in many ways. Then it came a little bit more clearer, and that clarity allowed me to to write in a different way, to express myself in a different way, and to start that process that is to, to embrace life and to live. Because Windows in the Sky is very immersive. It's about the first step of grieving. But standing on a bright light is the celebration of life through those same songs, but from another angle. When you, when you look at it, you can see that there was life, but I needed to nurture those emotions and grow through them as much as those emotions would grow through me. So that's why it's a strange kind of process, <laughs> but it's really what happened. So, so that's why it's very interesting for me to keep on talking about that because I'm still discovering so much about it. I'm still puzzled about so many things. That is grief, that is life, and I'm, I'm still discovering.
0: You also shared more about your father in a new song that was added to mm. Standing Under Bright Lights, The Son of Hannah, because on one verse you speak the words, He didn't cry, a man of faith, therefore he lived awaiting to die. He loved Jesus Christ, but religion he despised. He lived in bright daylight, had a compassion for those kneeling in bleakness, He never was much of a dreamer, but a lighthouse for so many others. I mean, that is such a great tribute to your dad. Mm -hmm. But even with that, you found out he was a lighthouse. He was, like, mentoring others. True. But did you really feel that you were lacking in that because he didn't provide you, like, with direct guidance to being both an adult and a performer?
1: Mm. I think that would be dishonest for me to say that he lacked in that way. I think that he tried uh, more than I was able to to realize or accept because when his life got completely transformed from an alcoholic looking for all sorts of answers, but his life was completely uh, in disarray, but I was able to see a real transformation. But for me, as a teenager, it was very difficult for me to accept that, everything that, that I felt or went through, that suddenly, you know, it was like, it had like a, a bypass of consequences, which I felt like me as, <laughs> as a person, I was like, wait a minute, you know, what about me? But I grew understanding that the relationship that we had was on a different level because I think that what it gave me was the ability to, to be free. We had a very difficult life in many different ways. I think that what it gave me was the fact that I needed to go and discover those answers for myself, just like he did. Mm-hmm. And, but I wasn't understanding because even for him, you know, it was difficult for him to suddenly become a father and to have interest in another human life when everything he went through was only about himself. And suddenly, was discovering all those things at the, at the very same time, having like his eyes open, and then whoa, that that must have been very uh, incredible for him. And for me, looking back at it, I'm at peace with it. I understand that, yes, I would have loved to have like a bit more. I won't say attention, but a bit more conversations, a bit more intimacy with him, as much as now. Everything I'm going through, I would give so much to be able just to share a little bit of everything with him, which I can. I think that something that I needed to let go—that it wasn't about, it wasn't for a lack of trying, it wasn't for a lack of love. I think that he didn't know what to do at some point. It was, it, he was overwhelmed, and I, I, I was very independent. I wasn't someone that wanted to be touched. I established quite a vivid distance between each other. So that's why. That would be very dishonest for me to say, well, yeah, would I would have loved to. Yes, but, you know, I think I wasn't a good son, so to speak. Really? I was, for, I was looking for him to be that kind of father, but I, I don't think I was willing to pay the price to act according to what he was trying to do because that was my way for him to pay back. Because suddenly, in my perspective, he wanted to play father and when he never paid much attention to me in the past. But me, I was like, I wasn't ready to let go because I was a very sensitive person and I didn't want to have my heart broken maybe, but also it was part of, of wanting him to suffer. And, and that's something also that I, that I discover and that I realized that as much as I wanted him to be someone, I wasn't ready to be someone else for that communion to happen. I wasn't ready to pay that price. Uh, that's something that's still there that I need to, you know, to let go and to, to accept because everything I thought he didn't want to give everything I thought he didn't want to, to share with me, it would have been impossible anyway. So that's why it's, it's, it's a process. It's part of, you know, becoming an adult. (laughs) Yeah. When, when you see, especially for, I guess, for a son who's, who's, seeing like his father you know just passed like that i was very i was devastated and i just didn't know how to deal with it but i think that yeah that would be so dishonest for me to say well he never paid too much attention or it wasn't there for me i think that he didn't have any kind of chance to be to be honest even though no, I- I, even though I was craving for that but i wasn't i wasn't ready to, to forgive him yeah, and that's, that's something that, that's still, it's still heavy on me, but I'm, I'm happy that we, we've been able to reconcile that deep at the end, because we had a moment together. I was the type of kid that was going to church with him just to moke him, you know, just to, to laugh at everybody and just for him to be ashamed. That was my way to, to respond to his new kindness by finding new ways to be mean and for him to pay. But I do remember one moment that I've been very, very touched, and I think that it, it became something very pivotal in my life as a person, and that changed the rest of my existence. It's when I've been very deeply touched about what love and compassion is. And my father was a big guy, like 6'3", big-shaped guy. I'm 5'6", mm-hmm. you know? And sometimes I'm lying by saying, five, seven, but I'm, I'm, I'm actually five, six.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know the issues you have. I'm also five,
1: six. And um, he had like huge hands. And I remember that I, I took his hand and I look at him and I said, I forgive you for what you did in the past, but I ask you for forgiveness for the son I never wanted to be. And, and that has wow. been like a foundation for us. You know, we, we haven't built much upon that, but that moment is something that, that it's very precious to me because it would have been difficult for me to keep on going if it wasn't for that moment, especially with him. And that, that allowed us to, to have like that last conversation when he was able to challenge me with love and to give me something that I needed. So that's why with Hannah, with the song of Hannah, that, that was something that I, that I I wanted to tribute to him but at the same time I wanted to reflect on those who are craving that are asking and weeping and at the same time and weeping to those who have sons of their own who aren't really righteous if, if, I, if, I, if I can say that. Mm-hmm. So that's the, the constant struggle, the constant battle with honesty and to be able to look into yourself and to realize, to go deeper in the usual. So that's, that's what that song is about, and especially with Anna, which means grace. I thought that there was so much little glimpses of, of who he was. And also without trying to idolize him or trying to sugarcoat the story. So I've been a son of Eli for so long. So all those little things, and then suddenly you realize that there's more to life. This is not what defines you, that you can go and change and evolve. If you're ready to take ownership of what you've been or what you are, and and want to grow into something else, to someone else, so that's really what that song is about, and the reason why it opens the concert, and and it's the only song that ain't on uh, Windows in the Sky is because I wasn't there at the time emotionally, I wasn't able to see that when I first recorded Windows in the Sky, but a year passed, keeping reflecting on that, I felt like that song needed to, because I was looking for something to put people in context. So then it wasn't only about me. It was really a journey. It was really an an invitation. I think like three or four days before the concert that I had through a conversation with the bass player of the band that we were talking about that particular story that I said, yeah, this is it. And I really had that kind of flash or instinctive, um, and and just okay well and then we went back and, and we wrote that song that which we played three days after and it that was it i knew it so that's why it's easy to to share a good story but i don't think that story would mean anything if it wasn't something that's true you know what i mean
0: yeah absolutely
1: so so that's why for me to be able to to share about that and when I'm, when i'm telling them, so, processing everything, and especially with my perspective, because when I was with your very enemies, faith always been like the foundation of my life, always. But it doesn't mean that you've got that foundation, that you're not lost, you're not confused, you're not feeling depression, you don't feel like you're completely out of it. Because it doesn't depend on, oh, okay, was it was your lifestyle. Because we, we don't accept as believers sometimes, that it's not about what's outside about what's inside. exactly, And it, it wasn't about the lifestyle. It wasn't about what I was doing right or wrong. Not at all. It was everything that needed to be addressed and cleaned up and healed that I needed to be free from. When you're stuck in that environment, it's very difficult because you kind of feel like you need to be not perfect, but you need to represent something. You know, it's just like going to say, well, I really feel depressed. And, and, and you, you can you can hear someone else like, how could it be? I mean, you know, it's just like, it's life. It's Jesus. You know? And just like, Oh yeah, (laughs) true. But well, um, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. I was just kidding. So, but when you, you keep on going like that all the time, all the time, and and, and you just lose that perspective of life of joy and, and also just to be well, you know what? I don't feel it anymore because I'm very intellectual and because I was hiding in that, you know, I'm intellectual. You don't have to look into your, your, your feelings. But then you said, well, you know, fate is not about feelings. It's about, you know, what's true for you and whatever. But the reality was I'm someone who was very emotional. And even though I want to deny it, it's something that needs to be um, taken care of because then when you're cutting that, and, and that's when you, you kind of feel cold and colder and colder until you just, like, realize, well, okay, this, this is what it is, and, and you keep on going. So that's why, for, sure. for me, that whole new journey of life, it's not about music. It's not about words. It's not about the tone. It's really about life. I know it, it maybe sounds strange, but this is really what it was and still is. And that's why, even before, I wasn't doing interviews that I I didn't want to do interviews. I didn't feel like I was fit for that. But now it's not that I feel like I have to, it's because I know that I can add a little something else. I'm saying that like with a humble heart before I was just adding to the noise. I was just saying what, whatever pleases, you know, what, what, whatever fits, you know, I would have said, Oh yeah, with my, yeah, it's true with my dad. And now I just want to add a little bit to the story. So then maybe it can help someone who's just like me, who was just like I was before, was completely stuck inside, paralyzed, Mm -hmm. and who learned to fake in such a way that everybody around would be like, wow, I want to be like Alex. No, trust me, you didn't want to be like Alex before. It was a miserable place to be, you know? And you can be all hallelujah as much as you want, but when you're honest with yourself, you realize that, okay, it's part of who you are, but it doesn't define who you are. You know, you might be damaged, but you're never too broken to be fixed, if you want to. Mm-hmm. That's why now it's a different, it's a, it's a very different approach. This is just who I am. Well,
0: I'd like to hear about something else. You've been speaking about your Christian faith. Now, does that collide or does it connect to your music?
1: I think it's part of it. And that's that's something that that I hear so much because there's so many of us out there, (laughs) at least for me, I have a lot of respect for people that are called to serve the church, called to be part of that uh, culture, and for me, just to to be able to to speak about my faith never been something that I was hiding. I just never had the opportunity to to be on Christian outlets. Sure, But I always kept talking about it because it's part of who I am. So then... My creativity and the art, the project, is the extension of who I am. I'm not giving life to products. So then, for me, that doesn't have anything to do with it. When I'm crafting songs, even when I was with your favorite enemies, that perspective is at the center of everything. Always, because even if I don't want to, it's part of who I am. So it's clear that all the colors are there, but in a different way. In a different perspective and and that's why i'm never really questioning that approach because the the moment I, i'll question that approach then i will have to to question my motives because a lot of people told me oh in the past you should do like more christian-like or christian Marian music you guys are going to be rock stars i mean well <laughs> you
0: were rock stars <laughs>
1: nobody nobody <laughs> needs me Whatsoever, you know, and, and, and there's so many wonderful bands and wonderful artists that are true to, the, to their hearts and, and, and are only like delivering who they are in that perspective. For me, it's just something else. And that's why by being honest with myself, I think that I'm able to allow whatever I'm creating to be honest. At least I know that at that very moment it was. You keep evolving, you have like a different impression, a different sensation, you have a different angle. And then you're, especially for the kind of music I'm doing, evolve all the time. Always like part of that spirit. It, it's funny for me to try to explain something that for me is just like, doesn't make sense. You know, just like, well, I'm a carpenter, but hey, wait, 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 that table's Christian, right? <laughs> <laughs> for me, it just doesn't make sense. But I do understand the sense of the question. But for me, it doesn't really matter what, whatever you want to call that what I'm doing. You know, it's when I can share with you and when it's honest enough, we can commune. And that's why I'm welcoming people. I'm not inviting them. I'm welcoming them. Because I realized for so many years, I thought I was welcoming people as they are. But no, because I was inviting them, inviting them in my things now I welcome people to commune with me and to have a moment that we will define together rather than just invite people to say, look, I'm going to tell you what it is. No, I don't have to tell anyone. Let's discover what's there together. So, and if it's the extension of what I'm doing, it's part of my faith, then we'll discover that and we'll discover something else through other people's perspectives. And then we can go way deeper than my own limited perspective or whatever agenda I might have if I have one. That's why there's a lot of freedom in that mindset because I don't have to be right. I have to be honest and, and the rest of it will come because I'm not the one who's going to go out and convince people. I mean, that's not who I am. So that's why there's a beauty in there and, and we can share and grow together. So that's the way I'm approaching things. Maybe it's not something that can sell (laughs) in different spheres, but this is really what it is. And maybe we'll talk together in a year and I will have like a a bit of a different perspective about it. But now it's really where I am. I don't have to suffer to be the product of somebody else's opinion like I was before. And that's the, the most powerful thing to be able to embrace and then you can commune for real with people rather than just pretend and to to keep on spinning the same things you, you keep on hearing and hearing and hearing to the point where you yeah you believe it but you know it won't change your life so that's a big difference for me not mean something
0: speaking about communing together you can certainly do that at length mm-hmm. with standing under bright lights I mean, this is where you make my job so difficult because you have the least radio-friendly songs. I mean, they are so long. The Hunter by the Seaside Window, over 21 minutes long.
1: Yeah, that's that's the single (laughs) version.
0: (laughs) But now you have to tell me then, are shorter songs too confining?
1: It depends because I, I can turn a song that it's like four minutes and that's at the end, at the end of your favorite enemies, which was more radio friendly, maybe oriented or maybe more in the format of what we are used to in terms of like songs nowadays. But even then, when I was on stage, those songs could become something more monumental or I can play like a show, like it's an hour and a half and play three songs. I don't care. It's really based on what I feel. And when I'm writing, for me, it's very important not to set myself in a mood where I say, "Oh, you know, I need that's the type that type of music I'm doing now." So then, it needs to be like that. I've never been in that position, and I think the next record will be very interesting in that sense because, especially now that those two records exist and that people have a certain sense of understanding of what I'm doing, or might have expectations. So, would I be able to go and just to do like? a 2 minutes piano vocal <laughs> version of a song. I don't know. We'll, we'll discover that. But for me, it's no longer at the center of my preoccupations. I just don't care anymore. And that's why I kept on telling you that, Dave, because I suffered so much in the past for foolish reasons. I was self-inflecting that kind of pain over, over, over again for no reason. And now that I admit that, I can do whatever I want. It's all the fun of discovering. And I'm already in the motion of the next record. But at the same time, I wanted to really live standing on a bright light and, and complete the cycle. I'm writing a book about that period. And so it's completely different. And once I'm free from that, then I can start anew without having like the pressure to please. For me, it always go back to, okay, is it real or not? Is it really what it is? rather than just trying to format everything from what I thought was free because some of the musicians now playing with me, they were all with your favorite enemies and it's been difficult for them at the beginning because they had to unlearn everything that was coming so naturally for them because after 10 years mm-hmm. within the context of a band, it's easy. You know what works, what's not and you're in that motion. But me, it was completely different. I didn't care if it was working or not. I didn't care if it was hook or not, if the melody was cool or not, I didn't care about it. And I wanted to avoid that kind of spirit. And when you're able to free yourself and you're able to unlearn, it's not because it was wrong, but it just opens up so many different opportunities. And when you just realize that, well, you know, I was fully complete now, I can start anew. And that's what I'm into now, rather than just like looking to the format and the clock. And Because you were were speaking about The Hunter. It's a song that I can play for an hour live, you know, whenever the context, (laughs) you know, just leads us there. And so that's the beauty of music, because I think it's one of the only art form. It's not the only one that has the ability to evolve, rather than just like being something that it's done it's always evolving at least the way i see it so it's very alive
0: i was going to say a living organism
1: yeah true true i know a lot of a lot of my friends are in like big bands and they're suffering at some point and when they're saying like oh we're just tired to play the same songs over and over again actually what they mean is they're tired to play the same songs in the same way over and over again because it's the nature of who they maybe believe they are, or what people expect or whatever. But me, I just, I don't know. It's not, it's not part of who I am anymore.
0: It reveals more of your creative side by doing it the way you're doing it.
1: I mean, it, it gives you the ability to connect with people in a very unique way every night. Because if you're playing the same songs over and over and over again, like which was my initial fear, so then you're losing perspective of those songs if those songs were personal in the first place. But when you're allowing those songs to take different shapes and forms because of you're, you're having like a connection with someone in the crowd, you're, you're seeing someone who's joyful, who's crying, who's jumping. So then you're allowing that moment to shape the music you are there to share with the people. And that's what I discovered after going on tour because from that one-off night, so then I realized that there was something that was alive that needed to bloom and keep blooming and went to the point where I went on tour and I had to play those songs every night. And that was the real road test for me because if you're playing only a couple of shows here and there, you're able to keep that spirit in a way because it, it's always kind of fresh, it's fun, and it's, you've got a certain form of comfort, security within the context of it. But when you're on tour, it's every single night. And then you'll realize quite um, fast if it was only like illusions or if there's something there that wants to live and grow beyond the emotions that gave life to those very same songs. And that's what I discovered. And then I realized that it wasn't about Alex Henry Foster no more. It was about the songs bridging me with people. And when you're allowing that little miracle to happen every night, sometimes it's more spectacular than others. Sometimes you just don't understand why people appreciated what happened. (laughs) It is what it is. And that's the beautiful thing. So that's when you're allowing yourself to to be at the service of that emotion and spirit. So then you're gonna see something that it's way impactful than yourself. Because when when it's self-serving, you know exactly what you'll have at the end of the night. But when you're only at the service of that moment, then it's, it's phenomenal because you realize that there's so much more than I was able to even imagine that could take place and bloom out of that moment. So that's why I'm saying it's, now it's, it's a celebration of life rather than just like coming and looking at me like whining about losing my father. Not that it was that, but you know what I mean?
0: Yes, I understand. <laughs> well, it sounds like you're going to be giving us something else to celebrate with a new record down the road. I think you and I will need to get together for another talk about that.
1: I would love to. I would love to. So maybe, maybe it's going to be like 16 songs of, and, and the record will be like 28 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to do the punk
0: version. Exactly. <laughs> Alex, thanks so much for this talk. I really appreciate you taking time for The Antidote.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Thank you also for allowing me to, to share that way and to have more of an ongoing conversation than just like the usual q and A's. I really appreciate that. It allows me to feel more comfortable to, to talk and share.